How is the sound? It's okay? Great. So we've talked a little bit each evening about um, the Satipatthana Sutta, these ways or fields of establishing and abiding in mindfulness as the direct path for realization. These different ways of purifying the mind. And in fact, all the Buddhist teachings really are contained in this one sutta. And as Carol was talking about last night, um, it helps, and we think it's useful on this retreat, to begin with this wise view um, as we practice. So we're aiming both for clarity and wise view, and we're also practicing and cultivating it as we go. This understanding of the causes of suffering and of impermanence and of non-identification, of, of identification with self. And so we cultivate well-being to balance out the suffering that arises as we practice and stability to help us be with the changing nature of our, all of our experience and gradually develop trust to balance the, um, and to help us be with and let go of all the identifications and selfing. And so I like to think of this as cultivating well-being, stability, and confidence throughout our practice. And the Buddha goes on in the sutta to describe the qualities that also support us at the very beginning of the sutta, to practice ardent or diligent, clearly knowing and mindful, free from desire and discontent for the world. And this clearly knowing, Sampajana, is fully aware, being aware with understanding, understanding what we're aware of. So including our purpose, our motivation, um, including integrity, the precepts, so that we're practicing um, for well-being, benefit, non-harming. And so we're also cultivating stability so that our practice becomes more unified rather than distracted, calming rather than um, stressed, tense, and agitated. So this relaxed, open attention, clearly knowing and mindful. And today you've been collecting the attention in, either using the breath or the body or sound, some of the sense doors, and gradually stabilizing and coming into each moment by moment. Embodying mindfulness, which is the first foundation. Kaya nupasana, kaya the body, contemplation of the body. 
um, Bhikkhu Analyo uses the phrase kaya gata sati, mindfulness, embodied mindfulness, kaya, body, gata, gone, to sati, mindfulness. And um, that this is our refuge. And so we're feeling, sensing, directly experiencing the body rather than observing and watching. Patikayo, there is a body. And you can sense that right now, the body in the body. The direct experience, free from judging, stories, opinions, concepts, beliefs. Subjective awareness. So we're dropping into a felt sense. It's immediate, the sense of immediacy before any of the concepts arise. So right now, allow the felt sense of the body to fill your awareness. Sense the dropping in and the release of any concepts about it. There's so much suffering caused by the concepts we have about our bodies, about the size or the shape or the ability or the color of our bodies or the gender or illness or health. So much suffering caused. So bring kind attention to your body right now, just as it is. What's that like for the body to be held in kindness? Whatever is arising right now. There's so many ways we reject the body or have had the experience of our bodies being rejected by others. And how internalized that rejection is, how automatic um, the self-rejection or the rejection of other can be due to conditioning. So the invitation now is to hold the body in well-being, kind attention, and see if you can have embodied listening right now. Relax, receive, Allow whatever your experience is. And stay. See if you can keep the continuity of being embodied. Which is my attempt right now as I talk. The wonderful Thai forest master Buddha Dasa said, Do not take, do not do anything that takes you out of your body. Stay. It's the body of awakening, presence, alive, a fullness of being. There's a grounding that happens when we stay in the body that helps us have stability amidst all the changes in life. Feel that sense of your center of gravity moving down from the head into the belly, the legs, the feet. 
there's a sense of strength and capacity when we do that. What's that like right now to have the center of gravity be in the belly, the legs, the feet? And you can sense this continual interaction between body, mind, emotions, feelings. This continual um, movement, the way thoughts and feelings impact the body. The way what's happening in the body impacts the feeling tone and thoughts. This sort of, the body metabolizes experience. And it enacts our thoughts and our ideas. You can feel that happening. It opens its mouth. It speaks. Sometimes words come out that we're not aware are going to emerge. And it helps to be grounded in the body, to know what's going on in the body here. Um, What's happening? So there's a possibility of responding a little more skillfully. In the refrain of the Satipatthana Sutta, the Buddha instructs, in this way, in regard to the body, one abides contemplating the body in the body. Internally, internally, externally, or both internally and externally. So we're not just focusing on ourselves, but ourselves and our interaction with others and with all of life. It's a relational practice. One abides contemplating the nature of arising in the body, of passing away, and of both arising and passing away. So that's directly awareness of change. And then mindfulness that there is a body is established to the extent necessary for knowledge, bare knowledge, and continuous mindfulness. So he's not instructing to completely absorb into just being with the breath, for example, certainly in daily life but just to the extent necessarily necessary so that we can have knowledge, awareness, and continuity of mindfulness. So we're not just exploring the body to be mindful and present, but to understand the nature of the body. So when we're aware internally, externally, and both, as I was saying, we are really moving into awareness of interdependence, into connection with life, with the world, with each other. It's relational. There's um, a science um, news broadcaster in Canada, Bob MacDonald, who has a program every Saturday morning where people phone in and ask questions about science. And I like to listen to it because I really love how he responds to questions. And someone called in and they said, Bob, 
There's so many more people in the world now. Is the earth heavier? That sounds like a kind of obvious question of someone who's forgotten the first law of thermodynamics. Um, that, um, you know, whatever, that it's, that, you know, there's, there's this interchange of energy that's constant. And Bob was very skillful. You know, he really talked about how we think that we're separate from the earth and that we're on top of it. So the more of us there are, the heavier the earth will be. But we're not. All our atoms come from the original chemistry of the earth. It's constantly moving through us. We're all composed of what our ancestors were composed of. And all the life on earth, this constant flow of interchange. And when we start to directly experience our body internally and externally, we really get a sense of that. It's amazing that um, our natural state is that we're not separate. We're just a flow of matter, of experience. Um, Suzuki Roshi has a beautiful teaching where he's talking about being with the breath and how he teaches no inside, no outside, breathing in, breathing out, no inside, no outside, that the breath is just a swinging door. And it's lovely to sense that possibility of being breathed in a way of having continuity. And it allows us to connect more deeply to ourselves, to each other, and to all of life. And it's so healing to go out into walking meditation and sense that not being so separate. And as we practice with this awareness of arising and passing of sensations, it really deepens our understanding of change. Sensations appear, change, disappear. The arising breath has certain characteristics, disappears. The falling breath has different characteristics, disappear. The space between breaths disappears. When we're walking, that the movement of the rising and falling, each moment, each movement is arising and passing. The sensations of lifting my arm arise and pass before I've even, it's, it's like I can't keep up with it. <laughs> the sensations of change. There's, and as our practice gets deeper, there's a direct knowing of this arising and passing becomes more becomes clearer and clearer. We can see and sense the many moments of arising and passing. And sometimes it feels like a flow. And sometimes it feels like appearing, disappearing. It feels very momentary. 
once I was playing att- paying attention to tinnitus. Sometimes the tinnitus that I have, when everything gets very quiet, it's really loud. And so the, I used to have a lot of aversion to it. You know, ah, shut up already. But of course it doesn't. But as I paid closer and closer attention to it, it's just this arising and passing, arising and passing of, of sound. And just really um, the experience of the flow was um, very freeing. And I just had this sense of there isn't anything to cling to. Wow. Oh, that's what the Buddha meant when um, we can abide not clinging to anything in the world. There was no point getting upset about it because it had already gone moment after moment. The body is continually responding to stimuli from the from internal experience, from external experience, there's this constant um, responding. Carol was pointing to that yesterday with her um, example of being in the cold and the changing sensations, and um, how we can tense against experience, or we can contract against it, or release. We're this constant movement that's so instinctual. Maybe there's an unpleasant thought and there's a quick contraction against that. Um, We're waiting in line and there's a contraction. It's unpleasant. There's this constant response. And then we begin to explore not just the awareness of the sensations, but how we're relating to the sensations. What's the mind doing with the information? Are we resisting it, wanting it to stop, change, be different? Or just simply knowing, oh, this is what waiting is like. This is what resisting is like. And we start to see when we want to be calm, when we're not calm, we get more agitated. If we don't like the fact that our mind is restless, we get more restless. Whereas if we allow agitation, oh, agitation is like this, then gradually it shifts, it changes. So what? Explore that. And we'll all be saying the same thing in different ways. How are you relating to what's happening? Notice the impact of how you're relating. What's happening to the sensations in the body? And always, 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 is there friendliness towards the experience or judging? And the more embodied we are, and the more we stay with the felt sense, the more possible it is to stay. We get to see, oh, when I stay with this, nothing terrible actually happens. It might get more, it might get less, but it does change. 
Maybe it changes and it becomes a different kind of unpleasant. (laughs) But it does change. So what happens when you're aware of your body right now? Notice if there's tension. Scan it gently. Is there discomfort or holding in some way? When we pay attention to the body just as it is, we can notice the holdings and tightening without judgment. And we can also notice the tendency to move away or resist. And what we find is that simply by staying with those movements towards or away, there's a gradual softening and loosening. Sometimes you can just try, may the body relax now and see what happens. If there's an agenda, has it relaxed? It should have relaxed. It probably won't. (laughs) But it's an invitation rather than a direction and an expectation. It's challenging to stay present for the sensations in our bodies. It's challenging to stay present for suffering in our own and in others' bodies. It's challenging to stay present for difficult sounds in the room. And we can be kind when there's aversion or difficulty. But if we're present with mindfulness, compassion, metta, then we increase our capacity to be able to stay, to not leave or abandon the body when difficult emotions and feelings come up. Or when something really deep and difficult, a hurt or a fear or an anxiety comes up, we can stay with. And when we do that, it helps to integrate and it's very healing. It takes confidence, well-being and stability which we're cultivating simply by being with our experience. I'd like to move to some of the ways that um, the Buddha instructed in the sutta, um, the ways of practicing, because there are many ways in the sutta of practicing with the body. And one of them, one of the first, was scanning the body, paying attention to the anatomical parts, the the skin, the flesh and muscles, the bones, the skeleton. Every single part of the body, um, we're, we're invited to get a felt sense of and experience directly and see what happens as we pay attention to it just to know it as a body, not to become attached to it, nor to become aversive to it, but to simply know it as this is a body that functions, that um, I'm, that is here, um, to take care of it. But also to see the independent nature of all the bodily systems 
and that they're all subject to change. They'll all age and fall apart in some way at some point. It's just how it is. That's what bodies do. So paying attention to it can loosen our attachment and also deepen concentration. Many of you have done body scans of different sorts, and you know that it is one way of really collecting the attention in. Whenever the mind moves to thinking or to comment, commenting or um, stories, staying with the body. The felt sense is very powerful. And understanding its changing nature. It's very powerful. I remember when my mother um, was, was dying, um, she um, had had all the family come over. This was at Christmas, and so she felt she'd said goodbye to everybody. And I slept in the same bed as her because um, she'd lost sense of time. And so she fell asleep, and she woke up and at some point, and she said, I didn't die. And she was, she'd said goodbye, that was it, she was complete. <laughs> she was terminally ill, now she was supposed to die. And so we, <laughs> we talked about, it's kind of like giving birth, you can't say, may the baby come out now. <laughs> it doesn't happen that way. That's not nature. And so gradually, as, as she became weaker and weaker, she was able to understand, this is what it's like when the kidneys shut down. This is what the body does. This is what it's like when the digestive system isn't working anymore. This is what happens. And she really got it. I was amazed. Oh, this is what happens. That's all right. And she had a really sort of very no-nonsense northern British um, attitude towards it. And the, um, the palliative care doctor came in and said, I'm so sorry, Mrs. Ross, but there's nothing we can do. Um, you are going to you know, die of the cancer. And she said, that's all right, love. I've got to die of something. And so it's understanding that our bodies are going to change in all these different ways that we don't have control over. And so as we get to know our bodies, all the different parts of our bodies, in a more real way, that understanding and the changes aren't so frightening. It's just what's happening. And we can bring love and compassion to that. Um, rather than fear. So then we look at the elemental nature of the body. And the Buddha, in those days, um, the elements were very much part of life. Earth, air, fire, water, the spaciousness, the solidity, fluidity, warmth, and movement that happens in life and in the body all these different qualities. Earth, what's hard or soft, firm, 
dense, um, heavy or light, earth sitting on earth, can sense that in the solidity of the body. The water element, moisture, fluidity, cohesion, all the cells in the body composed of water, and how that holds the body together. Fire, just touching your face, or your, you can feel coolness or warmth, the coolness perhaps of a hand, or the difference in temperature. Go inside, when you go outside later, feeling the coolness. Sometimes it's pleasant, sometimes it's unpleasant. And the air element or wind element, movement, the expansion as we breathe in, the release as we breathe out. And at a more subtle level, vibration in the body is air element. Pulling or pushing, pressure. So it's a very direct way of experiencing the nature of the body as it is. And the Buddha taught his um, son Rahula, when Rahula was about 18 or something like that, to contemplate each of the elements within himself and externally in the world, and then both. And to see that the, he wasn't separate. Both It was simply earth element. This is not me. This is not mine. This is not myself. Just earth element, or fire, or water, or air. Internal, external, the same nature of the earth. Nothing we can completely control or own. When we go inside the body, we sense a rootedness. But also, we sense this, um, we're less boundaried when you have a sense of internal, external. If you go outside, or even just right now in the room, the air element internally, the air element externally, and both. Not me, not mine, just air element. Might get a sense of that. What's that like? This is from um, Andrew Olensky. I forgot. The Buddha encourages Rahula to dissolve the sense of self into the impersonal elements making up the world. The goal isn't to in- infuse the world with self. Carol was talking about that last night, the center of the universe but to drain the self of self. It's finding things agreeable and disagreeable that leads to suffering. With an attitude of not mine towards all of it, the mind is liberated from its clinging. And we'll be talking about this in many different ways um, as we go through the retreat.
But what's helpful is the more we're able to release um, the solid or rigid sense of boundary, the more we release into support from the earth, support from the openness of the sky, rather than having a sense of being a closed unit where all the intensity of emotion, difficulty, pain, feeling can kind of be like this, when we have a sense of continuity with all of life, there's, um, it's less intense. There's a dilutional effect. There's a spaciousness. We can have the energy of fear or agitation move through our awareness like clouds or like um, without it getting stuck or so solidified. Not me, not mine, just a difficult energy passing through the body. So then, the Buddha next instructed on the postures of the body. He spoke about the four postures, but we can add Greg's fifth posture of in-betweens. Standing, walking, seated, lying down, and in-between all support continuity. And the instruction is, when walking, we know we're walking. And that doesn't mean knowing in, um, I know I'm walking. It's the direct knowing of walking, the felt sense of walking being known. Lifting the hand being known. Standing and walking are so grounding. There's that felt sense of connection with the earth, of really being supported. We come out of distraction and into being right here, now. It helps us to connect moment to moment. And so walking meditation actually really supports concentration practice. Um, Because it's so gathering together. And it's calming. It balances energy. When we're agitated, Walking meditation can bring calming, can work with restlessness. Or if we're sleepy, walking meditation can balance energy, just as standing can. And it can create a safety. Um, I think some of you have heard me talk about this before, but um, some years ago, I had the privilege of working in the north, a northern part of Canada with um, people who had, were survivors of residential schools um, that were very common in Canada um, up until not so long ago. And um, these people um, really, really had come to heal to be able to let go of some of the addictions that they've been using to manage their trauma. And, of course, unknowingly, I didn't realize that the sound of a bell would trigger an immediate fear response. 
because it reminded them of the bells in residential school. And so that sound was associated with trauma. If they had to close their eyes and be silent, that was also triggering. Um, and so, how could, what, what should we do here? <laughs> but walking meditation was wonderful. Some of the people took their socks off and walked barefoot on the earth, really feeling that connection to nature that was healing, the safety of being part of the earth. The feeling of feet on cold stones or of of, um, cedar or um, pine needles was very healing. This step is safe. This next step is safe, one woman said. And so really don't um, underestimate the power of walking practice. Lying down practice can also be very healing. We're releasing and relaxing, and this was true for them, into the support of the earth. Releasing whatever's coming up that's difficult can be released with an outbreath into the earth. So, um, mindfulness of postures is very much a support for continuity. All the daily activities, everything we do. If we're taking a shower, we can be aware of water element externally and internally, and the fire element. When we're going to the bathroom, we can be aware of internal and external water element. I knew one person on retreat who drank a glass of water, water internal, <laughs> and then peed, water external. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's really understanding of the change of water element. Um, when we're eating, um, we don't have to be so meticulous and exact. We can be aware of the eagerness of the body to eat. What does it feel to be in a hurry to eat or to eat like this? You know, what's that sensation like? What's this dislike of this or wanting more of that like? Just notice the sensations in the body, not just in the mouth and the, the digestive tract, but the whole thing. <laughs> um, we're not trying to get it right eating, but no, how is eating? What happens when I eat? What happens when I think about going to eat? When I start walking down the hill? And what happens when I'm waiting in line? And I'm feeling irritated by somebody being extremely mindful and slow. So knowing and really being there for that, not making any of it wrong, knowing how it is. With a cup of tea, the direct felt experience free from concepts. Whatever we're doing, we're knowing with understanding. Sometimes we're aware of pressure or tightness, and sometimes there's some kind of sensation and we don't really have a name for it. It doesn't matter. Just being aware of it 
on what happens to it. And over and over, we don't have to find the right name for what's happening, just to be with what's happening. And then really important to notice the meaning we're giving to what's happening. And then we can have a choice about how we relate to it. As we're paying attention to the body in this way, we very often notice how future-oriented we are. You may notice your body leaning towards going to bed right now. (laughs) That's possible. We're just that little bit into the future. And it's a felt sense. Leaning into the next moment. Can we relax into now? There's some kind of underlying belief that the next moment will be better or more enjoyable in some way. I'm constantly amazed about how I'm rushing through my life (laughs) in, in so many just little ways. Sometimes it's not subtle and other times it's really subtle. When I'm traveling, it's often not subtle. When I'm getting onto, I'm much better now, but you know how you're getting into the plane and the people in front of you have luggage that's too big to fit into the overhead compartment and they're taking a very long time (laughs) to get it in and everybody's lining and waiting. You can notice that movement. And here there are so many little ways we can notice that leaning into the future. And so pay attention to the just slight contraction. And then what's it like to release into right now? And to not infrequently check, is the body tense? What might it be like to release any holdings? Are there any holdings? Notice that right now. Be interested. We get a love-hate relationship with our body that's so painful for all kinds of reasons, conditioned, societal, um, many different kinds of aging. And because of that, because often our bodies are objectified, we get disconnected from a sense of aliveness. There's a disconnect. And when we're disconnected, we often don't take care of our bodies. We put in too much caffeine, and we're sleep-deprived, or um, any variety of that. Or maybe we take care of it without being connected. We make it do certain exercises and we're not present while we're doing them. Um, Oh, again, I'm doing this because I should, but I don't really want to. So the poor body has to put up with whatever it is we've decided is the latest thing we should do to it. (laughs) Um, And so Thich Nhat says, please take good care of your body. Allow it to rest. 
Embrace it with kindness, mindfulness, compassion, love. And so we can do that while we're here. We can balance being awake and alert with also caring, kindness, compassion. There's a lot of harm to bodies in the world, to everyone's bodies, that originates in reactivity, in in greed, aversion, in delusion. And when we protect ourselves from harm by using the precepts, we're also protecting others. When we're fully connected in our bodies, minds, and hearts, the impulse to harm ourselves or others dissipates. That's why these practices are so important and it's such a gift that we're giving ourselves to bring kindness and to not create harm. When something happens in our lives that breaks our connection with our body, it could be trauma, neglect, illness. Um, Sometimes we feel that the body isn't a safe place to be. We may not even know we feel that way. There's just a disconnect. And so coming back home to the body is very healing. Everybody, every body needs water, clothing, a safe place to live, free from war, oppression, all those things. All bodies need to feel safe. And we can, as we take care of our own bodies, may this body be held in kindness and compassion. May all bodies be held in kindness and compassion. And to include in our awareness those beings that are suffering from the different forms of aversion, greed, delusion. And being embodied puts us in touch with that. We can connect with that. Caring. I care about this body. And I care about all those other bodies. Everybody else, like me, is subject to aging, sickness, and death. Healing when we touch our own bodies with respect and we explore with mindfulness and patience. And the body's a storehouse as well, as you know, for all the things that have happened to us in our lives and all the things that have been done to us and all the things that we've done to others. They're physical, emotional, and um, daily tensions as well are all stored in the body. And the thoughts and emotions create energetic changes in the body that we can feel, energetic charges. And as we come on retreat, um, this purification of beings, as the Buddha put it, starts to unfold. Some of the things rise to the surface. 
And we don't always know what it is. It's something that's being held in the body that's releasing. Sometimes it's physical, and the body may jerk or twitch, or there may be vibration happening through the body. Sometimes there's feelings of sadness or tears come, or sometimes joy, excitement, or um, all sorts of different things are released through the body because they're stored, and often we're unaware of what we're carrying in our bodies. Sometimes we know, but often we're not aware. And so we allow with kindness. We relax, receive, and allow. It's not an archaeological dig. We don't have to figure it out. We don't have to get into, what's that about? Is this because of this or because of that? But just to be with what actually is here, now, with kindness, and allow it to unfold and, is, and reveal itself. The more open we are, the more there'll be insights that will reveal what's going on. Yes, this relaxed attention helps us be with what's unfolding. Sometimes it's intergenerational. Some kind of fear or anger or despair might move through. So rather than being with the ideas and stories about it, what's happening in the body right now? And again, it helps to know this is fear arising or hurt arising, that coming and going. And it's not me, not mine, just the energy of fear that we're staying in touch with those, those three aspects or characteristics the Buddha talked about. That the holding on to the difficulty is suffering. The arising, knowing the arising and passing. Knowing the selfing. The understanding of that is what leads to release, healing. And then energy imbalances in the body are happening frequently the first few days of a retreat. Fatigue and sleepiness to restlessness and agitation. And we've been speaking about that. When we follow the out-breath, it's calming. Breathing in, breathing out, calming. The mindfulness of breath sutta, breathing in aware of the body, breathing out, calming the body. Sometimes breathing unaware of the whole body, breathing out, aware of the whole body. When we bring awareness to the whole body, it activates the parasympathetic nervous system, and that's calming. When we, and it helps ground and settle. When we're falling asleep, if we breathe in, that activates the sympathetic nervous system 
and it's awakening, enlivening. So we're breathing in refreshing, breathing out releasing. And relax at the end of the out-breath and let be, resting in presence. Spaces between breaths, if there are any, resting in the body. We can notice our posture, because that affects the energy. The more we kind of go like this, which tends to happen due to gravity, (laughs) um, the more drowsy we get. The energy drops. Mind becomes dull when we're upright, awake. But upright and relaxed, not tight and stiff, because that drains energy. You've probably noticed that. And then just a few words um, about working with difficult sensations and pain. And we'll, of course, explore this more as the days go on. And remembering that we're not paying attention for difficult sensations to go away, but to take care of them and to understand the connection between the perception of a sensation and the mental reaction to it and the impact of that. So there's a physical sensation and there might be an emotional reaction and then aversion and it should go away. It shouldn't be like this. And it compounds and we tense around it. If we can take care of the sensation with kindness and soften around it, it may not go away, but we're not adding to it. So it's just the experience that's there without adding the extra suffering of the mind's reaction to it. And we can name it, not say pain, pain, but throbbing, burning, tingling, whatever it is. What happens as I pay attention to it? If I treat it with kindness rather than aversion? If something's really difficult, it can help to pay attention to a different area of the body, a body that's not in, a part of the body that's not in pain. And if it seems like everything in the body is hurting, <laughs> to pay attention to sound, maybe to do some loving kindness practice. And to notice that very often the mind tends to go to the one place that's unpleasant in the body. And if we notice that, can we shift it somewhere else? Focus on an area of the body that's neutral or maybe even pleasant. So, to summarize, we're being in the body. Where? I find the questions or the contemplations where, how, and what helpful. Where? Here, now, in the body, the direct experience. How? What's the 
felt sense, the sensations, what's happening in the body. And what? That's more the elemental nature, the not me, not mine, not personal. So we're present wherever and however. And we're aware, when we can, internal, external, arising, passing. And we're able more and more to stay present with whatever's unfolding in the body. And it's healing. So I'll end with this um, from Ajahn Mun, um, a wonderful enlightened being. And there's um, a picture of Ajahn Mun. And actually, I think with this quotation in the, um, is it, what's it called? Yeah. No, the refuge hut? Yes. Gratitude hut. Thank you. In your investigation of the world, never allow the mind to desert the body. Examine its nature. See the elements that comprise it. See the impermanence, the suffering, the selfness of the body. While sitting walking, or standing, or lying down. When its true nature is seen fully and lucidly by the heart, the wonders of the world will become clear. In this way, the purity of the mind can shine forth, timeless, delivered. Let's sit for a few moments. Resting. Fully present in the body. Just as it is.
Thank you for your embodied attention. Um, There's time for walking practice. And really, even if you don't come to the um, late night sit because it's too, too much for you, go out and walk for a while. It's a beautiful moon, and um, just allow yourself to integrate what you've been hearing and receiving and have a sense of your body and under the beautiful sky. And if you would like to come to the chanting, know that you don't have to stay after the chanting ends, just to encourage people to come and enjoy that. So, thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.